Hi, I'm Mark Winchester, and this podcast episode is a conversation with Mark W. Winchester Sr., my father, about his experiences in Nashville's music scene in the 90s. We get into how he first decided to move to Nashville, and later talk more specifically about the different acts he played with there, including Emmylou Harris and Brian Setzer. Thanks. The thing I wanted to ask was about what made you want to move out to Nashville in the first place? Was there... Well, I was... Go ahead. Was there a particular experience or person or... Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, there was. I was playing right after college. I joined a band that was playing top 40 country music. And they were traveling around, and back then you would play for almost a week at each place, maybe Wednesday through Saturday or Tuesday through Saturday. And it was, it was uh, when was that, late, early 90s. So uh, country line dancing and that stuff, uh, live music in country bars was kind of thriving. Mm-hmm. So we would go around and play at those places and... Uh, Usually they would put you up at a a band house. The band houses were kind of always kind of nasty. <laughs> but anyway, we were playing at one somewhere, and um, in college in college I was in a rockabilly band and played upright bass. Mm-hmm. But then in this band I was playing uh, electric bass. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, at one gig, I guess it was close enough to home. Or for some reason, I took the upright. I just started wanting to play the upright on on some of the songs. Mm-hmm. And we were playing somewhere, and this band, they were from North Carolina, and some guy that they knew from North Carolina had moved to Nashville, but he was at this gig. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where that gig was. But I played the upright and I on some songs where you could kind of slap, even though it was a country, like might have been a Dwight Yoakam song or something yeah. like that. Anyway, I played the bass, and I did the slap bass thing like I had been doing for... Uh, two and a half years in college playing rockabilly. And the guy that lived in Nashville was talking to me afterwards and he said, man, you should move to Nashville. He's like, you slap like that on the upright bass, you'll get work. So I just, I took him, you know, I took him at his word. And then after your mother and I got married, we moved out here. Right on. So So it was kind of one dude, but I had had kind of been thinking about it anyway. Mm Because I also wanted to be try to be a songwriter, and I knew that you had to kind of go to a town where the music business was more centered. Yeah. Get... So I imagine Nashville already had a reputation from the country music scene. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, yeah since the you know had the Grand Ole Opry here and all that stuff, and that's where all the record labels were for country music. Mm-hmm. And at the time, country music was kind of experiencing a hip period it was the uh, late 80s early 90s and there were some people some like Lyle Lovett and uh, Dwight Yoakam and some some people that had kind of a rockabilly rocking KD Lang uh, Foster and Lloyd even you know some of that stuff was a was a little bit rocking so mm-hmm. Nashville seemed kind of like a cool place to come and I wasn't, I was too scared to go to New York or L.A., but that wasn't what I was, you know, I was, yeah. I was yeah. a hillbilly, so yeah. country music was probably, where, Nashville was the place to go. That's cool. At this point, we talked more specifically about the musicians he met and played with in Nashville. 
mentioned are the Planet Rockers, a rockabilly group founded in Nashville, Emmylou Harris, a country legend, and Brian Setzer and his orchestra, a swing and jump blues big band group that led a significant swing revival in the 90s and early 2000s. So, when you got to Nashville, what I know you played with the Nash Ramblers and Emmylou Harris. Yes, but that wasn't the first thing that happened. Mm-hmm. The first thing was the Planet Rockers. Okay. And that's how I, the Emmylou Harris even knew who I, about me. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me a little about the, the Planet, the Planet Rockers? Rockers? Yeah. The Planet Rockers. Here again, I kind of. I don't know why, but when I got out here to Nashville, I wanted to concentrate on on songwriting, so I, mm-hmm. I said I wasn't going to play upright bass anymore. But we were living in Franklin, and there was a little, uh, there was a thing called Cafe on Main Street in Franklin that had a little tiny stage in the quarter, corner, and bands were playing there. Mm-hmm. And I went down there one night on a Wednesday, and there was a band from somewhere, I think they were from New York or something. Mm-hmm. But they had a little bit of a rockabilly tinge to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started talking to them. I said, I play upright bass. You know, I used to be in a rockabilly band. They said, well, bring bring your bass down here. So they were playing the next night, so I Mm -hmm. took the bass down there. Sat in with them. Then they said they had a gig somewhere in Nashville outdoors when I come and sat in again with the upright bass. I took it out there the next day and got up and played a few songs. Then in the crowd that night was Terry Thomas, a drummer, mm-hmm. who ended up being in the Screaming Cheetah Wheelies. But he came up to me and said, you got, you look, you know, this rockabilly look you've got, uh, there's going to be a video next week for Becky Hobbs. She was a country singer at the time. They want a real 50s look to it. So I went out and did the video shoot and on the video shoot I met Eddie Angel uh, and Eddie Angel is the guitar, guitar player, player. And, and the Planet Rockers he said we're starting you know we're, I'm trying to start a band and that's how I got in the Planet Rockers cool. then uh, the Planet Rockers had a Spengali leader kind of that wasn't a musician but he owned a record a vintage record store in Nashville called Phonolux his name was Mike Smythe he was an English guy and he kind of steered the band in the early days as far as repertoire and stuff like that. And he had a friend that he knew from England who was Paul Kennerly, who was a big-time songwriter in Nashville. He wrote a lot of the Judd's hits, mm-hmm. Waylon Jennings songs, uh, Marty Stewart's hits. Well, he happened to be married to Emmylou Harris. So mm-hmm. the Planet Rockers were only together about two and a half years, maybe three. But he started coming out he loved the band. He made the first record on the Planet Rockers at his house, him and Emmy Lou's house at their home studio. Oh, wow. So that's how she became aware of the band. She loved the band too. Sometimes she would come out and see it. And she had that band called the Nash Ramblers, which was mm-hmm. a, a shift for her from an electric band to an acoustic band. It had mm-hmm. mandolin, dobro, upright bass, acoustic guitars, and a, a drummer. But he played light, you know, brushes. And it had uh, Roy Husky Jr. on upright bass. And uh, he made the first record live at the Ryman with him. And he toured the first two years, but then he wanted to get back off the road. 
because he felt like he was missing too much studio work. And uh, I got the gig. In the Ramblers. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. The funny thing about that was their, her uh, manager at the time, Monty Hitchcock, he was also a fan of the Planet Robbers back in the day, and he tried to he wanted to manage us, but we didn't go with him for some reason. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he calls me on the phone, and he says, uh, "Roy's quitting the road, and the only person we can think of to you know that can do the gig is you." Yeah, I'm like I was flabbergasted <laughs> and scared too, yeah. but I was like, "Okay, cool. What do I have to do?" And he goes, well, you'll probably just have to get together and, and play through some tunes with them, you know, mm-hmm. just to be sure everything's cool. So yeah. at that point, I think I've got the gig. Yeah. And about two weeks later, Monty calls back and goes, the first round of rehearsals is, you know, it gives me the day. Oh, wow. I'm like, you know, I mean, no, the first round of auditions. Yeah, so, you, wow. And I'm like, whoa, I thought I had it. Yeah, that's like, that reminds me of how... That that phrase, the first round of auditions, that's like what they tell you when you go out for a big orchestra. Yeah. So it's like you got into an audition and didn't even know it really. It was weird, too. Yeah. And also, at that time, you know, when the Planet Rockers were playing, I was playing upright bass, there wasn't a, a lot of uh, people playing upright bass in, in bands and stuff around mm-hmm. Nashville. And uh, all of a sudden, every top-notch bass player, electric bass player in Nashville all of a sudden played upright too. Oh, uh, yeah. But I had a little bit of a advantage because Monty did give me the board tapes uh, of, from the shows, you know, so I had a little bit more pra- okay. rehearsal time and pr- preparation time than some of the other bass players that went out for it. And I ended up getting it, yeah. Okay. Amy Lou Harris, mm-hmm. Nash Ramblers. I wanted to ask about Brian Setzer and his orchestra and maybe the sort of swing revival a little more broadly in the in the what was that early nineties, late eighties? Um uh, it was mid mid nineties mm-hmm. when that when the swing thing kind of started mm-hmm. happening in LA, I think. And the the dance craze and all that. It was kind of a swing big band revival. Mm-hmm. I didn't get in the Brian Setzer Orchestra till '97, but mm-hmm. he had made he had already made about three albums, I think, with the BSA mm-hmm. BSO before I got in it. So mid '90s, yeah, that was a big scene. And he's it's funny Brian Setzer. He was kind of a when the Stray Cats came out in the early 80s there weren't there were a lot of rockabilly bands on regional you know regionally mm-hmm. successful but uh that was the first rockabilly band that they blew up on MTV and then they had a hit on the radio it was mm-hmm. wild and so he kind of had that innovation of bringing back that genre and then he was he had a huge hit with the big band on in the swing sort of renaissance in the yeah. mid 90s too he kind of hit things at the right Time, amazingly. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed.